Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 basketball podcast. I'm Carlos. Joining me as always, fellow hoops sicko, Greg. Rank Utah, cowards. Oh, rank Utah. That's it. It's just me and Greg. It's the basketball boys back again for Pac-12 basketball stuff. Uh, we do have some football stuff to talk about, just a little bit. A lot of transfer portal stuff, a lot of Deion Sanders stuff. We have some shooty hoops to talk about, including doing some real Utah propaganda. But first, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We are still stuck at 3.5 stars on Apple Podcasts, but... We have had a several several reviews. I don't know what's up with the uh, the numbers here, but they're not just uh, they're just not in our favor. <laughs> Did get a nice little a nice easy little review uh, from and now nineteen ninety three five stars. Love the pod, especially the laid back language. Go Ducks! We do have Ducks fans who listen to this. Very impressive for us. Uh, so, yeah, leave us a five-star review. We usually read our favorite whenever we can. We do it most episodes. Uh, send us an email also with any of your questions at notruckstopspodcast at gmail.com or send them to us over Twitter at notruckstopspod or me at equitybro or Greg at Bananamorphs or Avery at Bravegraves. We have like a million hosts on this fucking show. So any of those will do. And lastly, our Patreon, notruckstops.com has uh, some content up there. We're going to work on trying to get some more football content. After the Rose Bowl, we stopped doing weekly main episodes. We just don't have the capacity for them. But we post an extra episode on Patreon to talk about football. So there will be that. Okay, let's get right into it. First up, uh, some football stuff. Bunch of transfer portal stuff happening. The first day of the college football transfer portal happened. It's up. It's opened. I'm not sure if it happened or it's opened. But uh, a ton a ton of players are in the transfer portal. Any uh, big names? What's the biggest name, most surprising name to you uh, that's on the open market? It is not a surprise, seeing as how we saw him get punched by his own quarterback on the sideline. <laughs> but <clears throat> the Pac-12's leading receiver, Dorian Singer, did enter the transfer portal earlier today. And uh, exactly 21 minutes after he tweeted that he'd entered the tr- transfer portal, he had an offer from Utah. And another 20 minutes later, he had an offer from ASU. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty clear. These teams have been talking to him for a while. And I'm very curious to see where he ends up praying he stays uh within the pack 12 because he's an extremely fun player i i really i I don't want all of asu's fun players to just like (laughs) fuck off to the sec that would arizona did i say asu yeah Yeah, you did asu's (laughs) having some transfers too so i I hope their players don't leave either they had uh i can't remember the offensive lineman's name but it's the one who who bradley and i uh mocked after the 2019 utah asu game and who before this year's Utah ASU game talked about how he hates Utah. <laughs> but yeah, so they got him transferring and I'm pretty sure they had another defender. It's uh it's gonna be fucking wild. It is going to be bizarre. One for me is Justin Flo from oh, Oregon. Right. I, yeah. That was a big one. Uh maybe one of the most talented uh uh players to transfer from the Pac twelve. So that's a, a big one. I'm curious to see where he goes. Uh, he did not play well at Oregon. I think Oregon fans have mixed feelings about him, but he's still a talented player with the right development and the right situation. Could be could be a real impact player. Uh, one funny thing was uh, Cal linebacker Olawefemi 
Aladejo? Aladejo? Yeah. Uh, he announced that he w- put himself in the transfer portal and then within two hours announced that he was committed to UCLA. So Tampering didn't <laughs> Cle- happen, though. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> it's all above board, all totally normal and fine. Uh, a lot of people think that Deion Sanders is gonna uh, is gonna is gonna own in the transfer portal. I mean, uh, I'm sure I'm, he will do a fantastic job in the transfer portal. I'm just not buying into what these these people are saying about him making Colorado a potential conference contender in year one with how bad that roster is now. It's just not truly possible. Insane. How no, truly yeah. insane can't happen. Anyway, I did find one tweet uh, from an account that says that's uh, that the. Twitter handle is at is USC back, back uh, <laughs> and they tweeted, they not tweeted us, they just tweeted, and I thought it was funny. Uh, quote, I want to give fair warning about this. If USC raids the Pac-12 via the transfer portal again, I'm going to start referring to the conference as USC's feeder system. I will be absolutely insufferable. <laughs> Yeah, uh, if that uh, does happen again, because last year they really were the Pac-12 was really they USC's took feeder Terrell system. Bynum, who was like maybe U- UW's best receiver last year, and he just didn't fucking play this year. Yeah, absolutely insane. Um, so good tweet. I'm gonna follow this person back just for that because <laughs> that was a great tweet. Um, yeah, a, a wild, wild year for USC. We'll see if they do it again. Um, you know, Austin Jones. It was like he's gonna go in and be the third running back from Stanford. He was first running back at Stanford, third running back at USC. Where's what's he doing? Yeah, Gary Bryant. They made Gary Bryant redshirt, and he was like, phenomenal last year. Their second best receiver. Ah, uh, insane stuff. Although he might be in the transport. I'm not sure if he officially said he was, but I was hearing rumors that he might oh, be. Oh, really? So. I didn't know that. I just assumed. Yeah, but it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. It's such a stack. Oh, room. I just actually got something from someone at Rivals said uh, Gary Bryant opted to redshirt after having a limited role in three games. Most expected he would ultimately enter the transport, but his father tells me Bryant is now staying at USC after all. So, yeah, fuck, I mean, man. That Crazy. receiver room on the bright side, on the bright side. Probably means Dorian Singer won't go there. <laughs> you say that, but he'll be like the fifth receiver there. Some yeah. crazy shit like that. He'll get some NIL deal and he'll just ride the pine happily in LA. Yeah, crazy stuff. Anyway, uh, let's go on to the other piece of news here. Deion Sanders <laughs> uh, already making splash hires at Colorado. He hires away for his offensive coordinator gig. He hired away Kent State head coach Sean Lewis uh, to be his OC. So uh, Kent State apparently ranked fifth in Sean Lewis's first year as head coach and then 44th in offense uh, in his second year. What do you think about this hire, Greg? I'm extremely impressed. Uh, that's a sitting head coach, and that is not just a sitting head coach. That's a head coach who, like, was almost got – he almost got the Cincinnati job from Kent State. Like, he has done a very good job there. Got them their first ever bowl game win in 2019. Uh, he has run an extremely uh, effective offense while he's been at Kent State. You may remember they were actually decently competitive with fucking Georgia – they scored a lot on UW, <laughs> and while UW's defense is, you know, it's not good, like, still, that's Kent State was scoring on UW. Uh, so I think he's done a fantastic job there, and the fact that Dion was able to convince him to come to a, do a coordinator role and do a coordinator role at a P5 program that is in as rough a spot as Colorado, 
man, it makes me optimistic for what uh, he's going to do there over the course of his tenure. Like, I don't think he's going to be there for very long because I think the turnaround will be quick. Not one year quick, but like in year three, Colorado could be a real force. And, you know, it also puts Colorado in the position of having a successor if Deion Sanders does leave. That's a great point that I hadn't even considered. Holy shit. (laughs) That makes the hire even better because like I... I saw people talking. Two head coaches in one hire. <laughs> yeah. I saw two people uh, mention, like, I just saw people bringing up old tweets, like, I wonder if Colorado goes out and hires, uh, what's his name again? I just blanked on it. For DC? Remember. or uh, Basically, hire the the guy they hired as OC, the Kent State coach. Oh, yeah, Sean uh, Lewis. Sean Lewis, right. I saw some people saying that they should hire him as head coach, Uh earlier and while (laughs) i don't i actually don't think that would have been a horrible hire as their head coach and so now that they have him in the building and he could be a successor for Dion, like that's insane man this offseason is shaping up to be one of the best colorado's ever had yeah it really it really is especially if they can get a huge injection of talent you know get you know put force some colorado players into the transfer portal as yeah. Deion sanders is saying in that video <laughs> that was uh, oh boy that, <laughs> that video <laughs> man if it was anyone if it, that was like a hire that people were like oh i guess this is okay it would be like oh shit this guy's an <laughs> asshole <laughs> oh fuck uh no but apparently that's gonna it might uh, work out Deion well for just Deion wants sanders. to create content so yeah this man is the... gonna create so much content for us this <laughs> off season <laughs> yes uh yeah gonna be interesting i'm i'm excited to see what he does uh anything any anyway that's football oh anything wait else okay have we talked about the mike Penix news no mike Penix right. coming back huge deal for the pac 12 uh i mean the biggest commit i think that's gonna be this offseason i think i mean yeah he led the nation in passing and he's coming back like UW yeah. is going to be a force next season. It's them and USC for the Pac-12 title right now, right? I think those have to be the front runners if Mike Panix is coming back. Uh, that was a big, big, big announcement from him. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Good for him. I really like Michael Penix. I feel like he's a great player. I feel like he seems like such a wholesome kid. Like, I, like he's, I think he he's a he's for some reason he's just super easy to root for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am. I don't know. We'll see what Washington's receiver room will shake out. I think it will not be as good as it is this year, but like it wasn't like Michael Penix was <laughs> was throwing passes that were very impossible passes that insane receiver talent had to come down with. These were lasers from Michael Penix all year. So, yeah, he's going to easily be in contention for, you know, best Pac-12 quarterback, you know, maybe maybe not to do the meme for UW, but maybe a dark horse for the Heisman. I mean, race. He, I think he should have been a finalist this year, so like Yeah, yeah. He got snubbed there. Uh he will definitely Caleb be Williams a, officially a Heisman finalist. Yes, yeah, and he's going to win it. Uh and I mean, he'll be the favorite next year as well, but like Panics will be one of the names mentioned for the Heisman all off season, I think, and that is a huge part of getting to New York is having that preseason Heisman hype. Uh, but yeah, this is massive for UW. If they can get some transfers in to help that defense. Um, or just get healthy. Even they just had, they had a lot get of healthy. Injury, like, injuries. They are really going to be a great team next year. 
Yeah, I hope so. There's going to be a lot of teams that are worse in the Pac-12 next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, it'll be a good opportunity for both UW and USC. Um, it'll be interesting. Be yeah. interesting. All right. Well, that's it for football, I think. Is that it, Greg? I can't think of anything else. All right. Well, then let's get straight into shooty hoops. Let's do a quick recap. I did not write this out, so it's going to be a little bit sloppy. We'll start with Arizona State. Arizona State, owner of the best record in the Pac-12, as we all predicted, eight games into the season. They, uh, we had a, just so folks know, we had a bunch of conference games in the middle of this December or, you know, sort of late November, early December, uh, and two conference games for everyone pretty much. So Arizona State started conference play, quote unquote, they're going to go back to non-con for a couple of games, but whatever. Uh, Arizona State narrowly escaped Colorado in Boulder, 60 to 59, and also narrowly escaped Stanford at home, 68 to 64. UCLA, they also come away 2-0. They beat the shit out of Stanford and narrow and narrowly escaped Oregon, although the score might indicate otherwise. Utah swept <laughs> its non-conference, it's a conference start, beating Arizona. We'll talk about this game a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, beating Arizona in Salt Lake City and then traveling to Pullman and beating Washington State in overtime. They are 2-0 and have the third best record in the fourth best record in the Pac-12. USC. They went on and beat Oregon State, and Cal struggled with Cal a little bit uh, and had to come back from down big against Oregon State to beat the Bees, but they are unscathed in Pac-12 play so far. Arizona, obviously, they lost big to Utah and mm, had a bit of a struggle against Cal for most of it. Uh, Kind of concerning if you're an Arizona fan, Uh, but they end up 1-1 and either way. UW loses to Oregon State, blows a big lead, uh, and and Oregon State falls. Oregon State also had a big lead in this game, I think. But they did beat Colorado. Colorado continues to be Frankenstein shit. Oregon State, they beat Washington, as I just said, and lost to USC in that close one. I think I'm now just repeating them. Colorado lost to Arizona State and Washington in close ones. Washington State loses out. They lose to Oregon. They and get narrowly beat um, by Utah in overtime. As I said, Stanford went 0-2, lost to UCLA, lost to ASU. And Cal, our beloved Golden Bears, they got their asses beat by USC and then got their asses kind of beat by Arizona. So that is the Pac-12. Let's start. I think they have to be the story. They just have to be the story. Mm -hmm. Utah beats Arizona in Salt Lake City, Avery and I were like watching this game at the, uh, at the uh, uh, Park MGM Sportsbook. We were hang- we we're hanging out with Ryan Abraham a little bit, uh, and then we were like, "We got to find this. We got to find this Arizona Utah game." Like we were, we actually had intended to show up to the sportsbook, watch the beginning of the first half, and then like drive back or go somewhere else to watch the second half. But we got our time zones mixed up, and so we missed the first half. Uh, I went back and watched a little bit of it, but. Uh, this was a, an, I don't know how much of it you caught cause I know you were driving, but like, this was an unbelievable performance from, from Utah. It was not, they, they beat the shit, beat the shit out of Arizona. They were up for double digits for the vast majority of that game. I guess it got a little tight late, but that lead was never less than like nine. Utah had responses every single time for whatever Arizona was doing. What were your impressions of this game? Whether you watched it or not, uh, you know, any thoughts about the implications for Utah? Yeah, so as you mentioned, me and Matt were driving while this one happened, so we did not watch it live, but I did get to catch uh, most of this game afterwards, uh, just yesterday, I 
after the Utah-Washington State overtime thriller. Um, I watched a good portion of this game, and I have to say, uh, like you told me after, you know, we met up after that game, Arizona did shoot really, really badly in this game. But a lot of that was because Utah forced them into a game they're not comfortable with. Like, the fact that Arizona only scored 66 points in this game is such a tremendous accomplishment for Utah's defense because I think, I mean, Arizona's the best offense in the Pac-12. They're going to score points because they play at that pace, uh, which is higher than everybody else almost in the country. And the fact that Utah was able to force them out of that, to force them to take way more threes than they normally want to, uh, I think is just so incredibly impressive. And while I'm not sure Utah, I still don't think Utah has the things we knew they were missing before the season. Like they do not have a scorer on the perimeter uh, and the shooting is not what it, what it would be like. They do not have the shooting of a tournament team. I don't think, Uh, but what they do have is incredible defense. And that incredible defense is going to win them games like this which is really, mm-hmm. really exciting to see if you're a Utah fan, which, of course, I am. And, uh, you know, Cra- Craig Smith's at the wheel. He's cooking. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> he is indeed cooking. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I went back and watched the first half, and then obviously I watched the second half live. Utah's bigs are awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Utah has an awesome rotation of of like just six nine six eight six ten seven foot dudes that they can throw at arizona um they match up really really well with arizona people are going to point to the three point stuff and I'll, I'll get to that later but utah didn't like shoot the lights out on from three they were fine like they shot 36 percent. that's like pretty good mm-hmm. it's not i wouldn't say that was a an aberration for them by any means but it was it was the fact that they had uh they were they got incredible performances from Kevakeda who has been awesome best defensive big in the league I know that's crazy to say for a three-star freshman at Utah but I like, think he was a four-star he was a top 100 recruit yeah okay so uh I thought it was like three-star and 24-7 maybe, maybe it's like maybe. three-star no or four-star yeah. whatever um he, he has been awesome he's six foot eight but like Really, he looks so much bigger than six foot eight out there. The way he plays, he's like super physical. He he has a nose for where he should be defensively. Like he is a he's a defensive stalwart. Um, and really limited and matched up shockingly well with Umar Bali. He's given up at about like three four inches there, but matched up well with him. Brandon Carlson, uh, also another big that like I think he played big you know he had a few rebounds but really what it was it, it stretched arizona out it forced mm-hmm. umar balo or julius tabellis to not be able to defend the interior because brandon carlson went five for nine from three um and was able to kind of sort of pull out some of arizona's bigs uh and and he also his length is good enough to kind of like disrupt some stuff on the interior the one thing that i remember watching and i think we should all be impressed with with utah is defensively every time Arizona Arizona loves to get and this is the three point uh, shot thing that I'm gonna that the argument that I'm gonna make here Arizona doesn't take a ton of threes uh, they get easy shots their entire philosophy is they get easy shots on the interior if you watch Arizona they're running 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 pass 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 until they get like Omar Balo for like an open dunk now sometimes Omar Balo he's not just a dunker right we've seen him grow a lot uh, as a as a post player getting the ball back to the basket sort of stuff. He's gotten so much better at that this year. 
Um, but like this game, Utah was crowding the interior. The second anything got close to within the paint, there were three, four Utah guys around, and then they're saying, "All right, we're just gonna bail out. You, you can take as many threes as you want." Um, and Arizona took way more threes than they're accustomed to. That's the formula to beat Tommy Lloyd's Arizona, I think. Um, that and and obviously, and obviously, you got to hope they're not shooting an insane percentage, or maybe you. And I do think Utah was like rotating out pretty well out to the three point line, but you know, you just sort of say, "No, fuck it." You let them take a three point shot. Uh, last year, when UCLA beat Arizona, it was the same thing. Uh, Arizona was settling for threes; they got burned. Then what did they do? They committed to trying to get to the interior except this time Arizona felt like they were really tried committed to trying to get entry passes get the ball to the inside and it was like as soon as Umar Balo or Julius Tavales got anything close to the paint uh Ben Carlson was there Brandon Carlson was there K Bakeda was there it was insane to watch so insane defensive performance from from Utah from a Utah team that I think I I, I sort of felt like could have been kind of interesting pretty tough but like is exceeding even my own Mm -hmm. expectations for for utah um yeah something that i just think is really really fun about what utah can do is that they can do a twin towers lineup Uh, yes kbkda is not big for a big he's a very small big but you wouldn't know it watching because of the way he defends and because of the way he plays offensively like he's really good at uh when he's on the offensive line I'm not offensive line. Uh, when he is on the off- offensive uh, side of the ball, he is really good at getting into the post without the ball and uh, getting his sm- getting a smaller guy on him on his back hip and then just calling for the ball so it's an easy dunk. There's no one in front of him between him and the basket. And when you have that and you have Brandon Carlson, who is a big, who is a great shooter, it makes it makes you a very hard team to play against because rebounding gets much harder. Brandon Carlson, his weakness his whole career has been his rebounding because he's such a thin guy. He can get pushed around. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Kay Bakeda is not a thin guy by any means. He is extremely built, and he is extremely hard to move around. So those two guys together with Carlson's length and Kaba's strength are so hard to get rebounds against. They're so hard to score on. And on the offensive side of the ball, you're not losing anything with two bigs because Carlson can shoot. Um, and so that's something that Utah does that I think is really, really interesting. And I think it's going to give a lot of teams in the Pac-12 a ton of trouble. I, I agree. And I think, but I also have to say that Utah's guard play has been really impressive. Mm-hmm. Raleigh Worcester in this game, Raleigh Wooster in this game, uh, had 12 points. Uh, five for 12 shooting. He had 11 rebounds this game to go along with nine assists. Almost had a triple-double. Uh, Gabe Matson also threw in 11 points himself off three for seven shooting and a really good night from three, three assists uh, to to go along with that and two boards. Like Raleigh Wooster and Gabe Matson have both been really mm-hmm. solid uh, players for Utah this year. And, and they get Lazar Stavanovic, Laser Stavanovic, uh, <laughs> coming off the bench. He did not hit any threes this game, but he knows he's known to go off. Like that rotation of three, I don't know, guard wing players type is is you know it's totally competent. Do they have a guy like I don't know, like a UCLA or an Arizona do, where you can just sort of like give it to someone and they're going to go make their own shot? Maybe not, but they do have very competent guard play that they're getting from from those guys. Like that, they, they would not have won if they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Really impressive uh, I, yeah. from Utah. Uh, Utah is always going to be an extremely hard team to play against. And while 
I do think, you know, the guard play is going to bite them in the ass this year a lot uh, because those guys are, um, I think they're, they're playing really, really well and that's awesome. But the only like naturally great shooter among them is Gabe Madsen. Uh, and so you're just going to struggle a lot with shooting from the perimeter most nights and none of them are natural scorers, which is just going to be a problem if you do struggle from the, sh- uh, from the perimeter. That being said, their defense is so good, I think they'll win more games than they lose, uh, which is a huge improvement from where Utah was in conference play last year. So it's, uh, it is very exciting. Greg, I think you're understanding them. I think they'll do a little bit more than win more games than they'll lose. <laughs> I, I don't know. We ha- I, maybe we're maybe we're just a little getting a little too excited about Utah. But I'm the net came out. They're number nineteenth in the they're number nineteen in the country, number two in the Pac twelve per the net. And I net and I get a, it, it's early. It's a resume ranking though right it's not a yeah, predictive it's not, pre- it's not predictive now the thing with it's i don't know that it's doing anything differently like very differently from ken palm ken palm is still relying on preseason data mm-hmm. and still. i think utah's at like 50 there or something yeah yeah and and at that point it's like there's enough of the season to say that preseason data preseason utah is very different than mm-hmm. current season utah if you look at net rating just like net rating in terms of you know offensive rating minus defensive rating utah is number two in the pac 12 right now that's just like how many points per possession utah uh gets and how many points per possession they allow they're plus 19.1 in net rating right behind ucla well not right behind 25.1 for ucla 19.1 for utah 17.8 for arizona they dropped them down now I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. They are number nineteen for a reason. Their losses against Sam Houston and Mississippi State. Those are good teams. Pretty good right now. Mississippi look, State is number twenty five. I think twenty six in Ken Palm. I mean, I, uh, I just meant the twenty five in the net. Oh, and the AP poll. Oh, there you go. They're ranked. Didn't even know they were ranked. Uh, Sam Houston. Uh, their only loss is to Nevada, and they are ninety first in Ken Palm. Beat but Texas. I believe. They they did beat Texas. They beat uh no not Texas Oklahoma and oh, it was Utah. Oklahoma. Okay, my bad. And yeah, Oklahoma and Utah are now on their resume. A loss to Nevada in you know Reno. Okay, fine. Uh, but they've beaten the shit out of everyone else. Do you know where they're ranked? And I don't know if you saw my tweet, Greg, but do you know what their net ranking is? I'll go forty three. Five or six Holy or something shit. like that. <laughs> yeah, their net <laughs> rankings insane. Uh, let me look at this actually. Let me make sure I'm. Uh, let me make sure I'm not talking completely out of my ass. I pulled it up and tweeted it. Uh, seven. Sorry, I oversold them. Uh, Mississippi State. No, I got it wrong. Mississippi State is five. They have oh. losses to five and seven in the net ranking right now. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, I mean, okay, maybe Sam Houston's not the fifth best team in the country. And but Mississippi State isn't the isn't there either, but, like, those are still good losses. I, I take your point. Yeah. So, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it really briefly. They did beat Washington State in Pullman. Now, I get it. It was an overtime game. Washington State is missing a lot of guys, although I think their best players are playing for them right now. They did foul um, out in that game, in a game that was officiated horribly horribly i don't know what the fuck that ref was doing and that wasn't just like anti-utah officiating it was just like if a guy breathed he got a foul (laughs) it really was like that it really (laughs) was uh garbage officiating uh uh, ben carlson fouled out muhammad gay fouled out like three different players tj bomba fouled out (laughs) tj bomba fouled out like uh, yeah and then uh was on four fouls for a solid 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Truly insane stuff. Uh, Pac-12 refs at their finest. But, you know, 
Washington State has their best players, TJ Bamba, DJ Rodman, Justin Powell, Mom, and Gay. Like, those are their four core guys, and I get they don't have much depth beyond that. But, like, Utah controlled this game for much of it. They held a lead for much of it. Um, they, let me see if I, if I can look at it here. Uh, I can't see what the, what the percentage was that they, that they trailed or led. But, I don't know. Utah, Utah did control much of this game, and it was in Pullman against a really good defense and Utah pulled it out. So I like got to give them credit for that. I get it. People are going to be like, well, it's Washington state. Washington state sucks. And like, maybe they're not good, but they're not. That's also like going to Pullman and playing against a really tough Washington state team, regardless of who's on the floor for them. You got to be impressed with that. So good for mm-hmm. Utah. I, I don't know. I think the, we have to adjust our expectations. They, they feel like they're by the end of the season, they feel like they're going to be a bubble team, which would be massive, massive. Um, so good progress for Craig Smith. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to a couple other things. UCLA, I think is, uh, another one that I think got embroiled in a tough, tough game against Oregon. Maybe I'm just being a, a UCLA homer. I'm not sure if there was any other big results out of the PAC 12 that you want to highlight, but UCLA uh. did finally, finally broke its curse against Dana Altman and Oregon. <laughs> this is Mick Cronin's first win against Dana Altman and the Ducks. Uh, they win 65-62. to 62. Ugly game. Oregon looked like they were actually going to pull away with this one. But UCLA did fight back, especially in the second half. Their offensive performance ticked up considerably in the second half. Offensively, UCLA looked like dog shit for the first, uh, first half of this one. Uh, they were getting absolutely nothing. They have to have a conversation around their center position, Adembona. uh, he does not look good no k bakeda is what we all thought a dembono would be they're both freshmen they're both kind of a little undersized both super athletic k bakeda looks better than a dembono right Mm -hmm. right now and i do Um, think mm -hmm. uh just to give a dembono some credit uh k bakeda has been playing in the states uh and i know a lot of players who come from overseas and a dembono has been playing in turkey right Yes, that's right. I do think it's a bit of an adjustment, uh, and so I'm going to cut him some slack there for not being as good as Kata is, despite being, you know, same year and shit. But, yeah, he has not been good, and UCLA does not exactly have an answer behind him, so it is it's scary hours for UCLA at center. Yeah, I think it is scary hours for UCLA at center. I mean, this entire season, preseason, hinged on a Dembona developing getting good and and you know we knew the freshman stuff was gonna um gonna rear its head or that he might be limited but right now um he's not rebounding well at all um he's reacting to everything everything um on defense like just jumping at everything goaltending like he's out of position it's Mm -hmm. not great right now for a dembona Kenneth Nuba is not much better. He like played pretty well, um, but it's still, I, I think, a long, 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 far, far off from where they were last year. Mac Etienne might actually be something resembling an answer at center for UCLA, but either his body's not right or Mick Cronin does not trust him. He's getting no minutes right now. Um, he's got three minutes in those three minutes. He had two rebounds and like two offensive rebounds and watching that game. I was like, this guy should be out there right now. Like it wasn't just that he got two rebounds. It was like, there were two rebounds that Dembona and Kenneth Nobar are not getting right now. Um, 
he he really should be playing i think if his if his body is right and he's healthy enough so i don't know uh the good thing for ucla though they were tri- we we're talking about them like they lost but they did beat oregon the nice yeah. thing is amari bailey looking I was, really good i was gonna mention that i think it's so big for them especially if they're only gonna get four points from the center position uh the perimeter guys have to step up and it's great to see amari bailey step up 12 shots from him uh seven of 12 is a very nice line um but like, I just like to see the usage, you know, the 12th, him him taking 12 shots makes me think he's more confident, he's getting to his spots, and you know, I didn't get to watch all of that game, but I did watch a fair portion of it, and I was impressed by what I saw, especially in a game where Tiger Campbell was not his best, <laughs> uh, Jalen Clark was not Superman, uh, and so, you know, UCLA is going to need Amari Bailey to, to show out uh, if they're going to if they're going to win the Pac-12, if they're going to make a run in March. Yeah. Uh, he's, he is also really good defensively. I feel like he was mm-hmm. a yes. really impressive defensive player. Really, really impressive defensive player. Uh, he had two blocks in this game, and Ooh, felt like both of them that. were highlight blocks. Um, so it was... it was uh, uh, And he just knows where to be. Like mm-hmm. I, I really like him as a defender, too. For like, a I think freshman, he's a, it is extremely impressive, because I feel yeah. like freshman guards especially highly touted freshman guards are uh it takes them a little bit to pick up on what they need to be doing defensively and he just seems to know and he's got all the tools to do it yeah he's uh he's been really impressive he's grown a lot just in a short amount of time here uh you're right about tiger campbell he is oh man he has not been good this year oh much at all like he is uh, let me see if I can pull up actually some some Pac-12 stats. Let's see where he, let's see where he is right now in player efficiency rating. He has a sixteen point four. That's just above average. That's forty. I don't know. We've got a bunch of players who had like played like two minutes and had a rebounder like have ninety nine point <laughs> nine player efficiency rating. But that's below Keon Brooks for Washington. That's below Spencer Jones and James Key for Stanford. Well below Will Richardson, uh, definitely below Amari Bailey, below Devin Askew. Like, uh, and I know you don't like player efficiency rating, but I feel like it does a I good job. At least I think of, it's a fair representation of a lot of things. Yeah, you know, uh, is not. Let's see where he is on UCLA in terms of box plus minus. He is uh sixth in rotation players in box plus minus for UCLA. That's tough uh, because I think he's getting the most minutes. <laughs> Yeah, and and has I think the highest usage rate. He does. He has the highest usage rate. Um, he is seventh on the team among rotation players in offensive rating. He is wow. Uh, I think that is if I'm looking at this right, a tenth, ninth among rotation players, eighth among rotation players in defensive rating. He is having a huge regression year, and that is really disappointing because he he was so was good so last good year. For UCLA. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do we see, have to ask you, the question about Tiger Campbell was last season an outlier? So, I mean, the thing is he was good. He was good in 20. Well, he was good. Uh, and I still think he 20, is 20, good. 2021. But like last year he was a phenomenal shooter. Yes. And the question has to be asked, like, is he actually that level of shooter now? Like is, yeah. Or was that he just shooting a flash 36? He is shooting 36% from three. I think oh, what really? it is, is that, Mm-hmm. Okay. I think what it is is that um, 
and David Woods talks about this all the time, Tiger Campbell has been emphasized a lot in this offense as a scorer. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Mick Cronin is terrified that he no longer has Jules Bernard and Johnny Juzang to go get their own shots. Tiger Campbell has now been asked to step up and create his own shots as a shot maker in, in stand-in for them. Uh, Jaime Hawkins has too, but, but Jaime Hawkins has always done that and he's been really good at it. Tiger Campbell has always been a facilitator, has always been the guy who's like getting everyone else the ball, setting stuff up, dribble penetration, find someone open, and then also leaves if he's left open himself, he'll drill a three. That's his role. Uh, he was a, a much better distributor last year. He is not really doing much of that this year. In fact, let's see if we can back this up. He is still number one on the team in assist rate, so there's that. Um, but you know, it's not, uh, I'd venture to say, I'm going to guess it's probably not as high as it was last year. Um, no, I mean, I guess technically it's higher, but whatever. My eye test, uh, supersedes whatever the fuck is going on with this team right now. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Tiger Campbell's tough, but Hey, UCLA did beat Oregon. They got that weird voodoo off their backs. Uh, so good, good for them, I guess. But they got questions, lots of questions about UCLA that I don't know. I mean, I, I'd say I'm super concerned, but Arizona has not looked good. They just lost to Utah, did not look good against Cal. You know, Utah is surging and looking really good, but, you know, they don't maybe don't have enough guard talent to be able to say to be able to run away with a Pac-12 title the way an Arizona or a UCLA could. So we will see. Man, this is a weird year in the Pac-12. Uh, <laughs> it is a weird year, and I think we're just going to have to consume it in a different way than we did last year. Because last year, what we did was we really focused on um, we focused on the best teams because USC, UCLA, Arizona uh, all were nationally relevant, and you know we were happy with that. We focused on that. This year, I think we're going to have to consume it a little bit more like we've consumed the last few years, except for this one, of Pac-12 football, <laughs> where ouch, uh, ouch. <laughs> we just ignore the national narratives. We ignore where these teams sit in the national landscape, and we just enjoy the chaos that this year is going to bring, <laughs> because I think there's going to be a lot of it. Each of these teams has some massive flaws. Yeah. I'm really Arizona excited State, for a though. UCLA. Maybe we yeah. talk about Arizona yeah. State. They did true, go two and zero in their oh, two conference games. They've got the games. fucking Marcus Bagley thing going on. Uh, let's let's just talk about that real quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Marcus Bagley. I've got to go back and find those tweets. Good pull, Greg. Uh, Marcus <laughs> Bagley, who I think it's fair to say is Arizona's best player nah, like nah, not nah. Best, sorry frankie most collins. talented i think no, it's I, still I, frankie collins but yeah frankie collins is more talented than marcus big bagley yeah he's a uh, five star i think marcus bagley is more talented the point he's one of their best players and one of the he's most, one of their most talented i don't even know if he's their best i'd say most talented definitely a highly rated recruit coming out of high school the brother younger brother of marvin bagley Greg and I are also NBA fans, so we also know that uh, Marvin yeah, Bagley's dad, Marcus Bagley's dad, a little uh, bit of a bit of a <laughs> fun guy <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Marcus Bagley was apparently suspended. He put out a tweet, a notes, an Apple Notes tweet, saying, "I usually don't address locker room situations to media, but for some reason, people aren't being transparent to my fans and friends." The reason I'm not playing has nothing to do with my basketball or my ability. After my last game I played versus NAU, out of frustration, I made a mistake and said some things to Coach Hurley that I shouldn't have said. 
Me not playing is 100% punishment for what I said that day. Again, I am 100% healthy and eager to play. Then, the next day, quote tweeted that tweet said, I was just suspended for this tweet for admitting I made a mistake. (laughs) And then, not, uh, let's see what the timestamp is, not three minutes later, said, athletes, in all caps, please, please, please make a well-thought-through decision where you go to school. These people will tell you anything to build you up just to tear you down. Obviously, that tweet was deleted. (laughs) Yes. yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, So, uh there's no way he's still at ASU. <laughs> he's I fucking don't gone. Know. <laughs> I have not heard anything about him leaving the team. Um, but, like, it's happening. We know it's happening. There's no way he yeah, stays uh, after that. Yeah, I mean, I saw, I see something from, even from uh, a Sun Devil Source report. I think Sun Devil Source is the student newspaper there, right? No, no Sun Devil Source uh, is the 24-7 site. 24-7. Uh, someone who's a writer there said, uh, was still watching out for Marcus Bagley. Um, so... Oh, man. I mean, despite all that, we're talking about that Arizona State, I don't know, maybe addition by subtraction. They are 8-1 and one right now. They're, la- they're lost as Texas Southern in overtime. <laughs> and a the close game against Tarleton. <laughs> a terrible, terrible loss in that opening game against Tarleton. They've bounced back, I guess, nicely. They beat the shit out of Michigan, beat the shit out of Grambling State, beat the shit out of Alcorn State. Narrowly escaped a tough, I think, competitive Colorado team. And then narrowly escaped a talented, talented, not good, talented Stanford team. Mm-hmm. So they're eight and one now. Um, they sit atop the Pac-12 standings just based on record here. They are number two, no, number three in the Pac-12 in the net rankings. They're number two in Ken Palm. Uh, I don't know. Pretty like they they've been impressive. I've got to tell you, I watched a lot of Arizona State early. And then bailed after the Texas Southern game because I was like, I'm fucking done paying attention so much to Arizona State. They have me fooled. <laughs> I don't know. Have they brought me back? I don't know. Uh, what have you seen? Have you uh, been paying attention much to Arizona State? I also watched much of Arizona State's early non-con games and then got frustrated with how horrible they were to watch. Uh, and so I have watched less of them recently. But I think what we have to consider is Arizona State is just a team of chaos. I mean, people will tell you they're a team of chaos. They are a team of balance, all right? That's what they are. (laughs) Everything is balanced in the world of Arizona State. They're playing very well right now, and thus they had to have Marvin Bagley. Did I say Marvin? That's not his name. Yeah, I said Marvin. It's Marcus. Marcus Marcus Bagley. Bagley. It's it's easy to get them confused. (laughs) Yeah, they had the Marcus Bagley thing. That had to happen because they're playing so well. And because that happened, I think they'll continue to play very well for a while um, before the energy they're using to stay good runs out. Although, ooh, shit, they have (laughs) Creighton coming up. That might be... Yikes, yikes, yikes. (laughs) That might be where it ends. Creighton's pretty good. Um, But... I mean, we have to con- we have to consider Arizona State. <laughs> it is time to consider Arizona State. Yeah, uh, they're right now a big breakout year from Warren Washington. He has uh, had mm-hmm. several really good games for Arizona State. They're seven foot big man senior, I guess. He's a transfer from somewhere, isn't he? He was there last year. I, I don't, I don't remember him last year at all. Yeah, so I'm I'm um, gonna agree with you. I think he is senior, but like yeah, I, I love. Uh, so much a guy 
Nevada. That makes sense. Uh, I, I love so much a guy <clears throat> who can just go out and rebound over anybody. And uh, that seems to be what he's been doing for them. Uh, <laughs> I've got, Very much uh, love that. The Leads the team in rebounds, game, but yeah. Yeah, last game against Stanford, 10 boards, 6 against Colorado, 7, 7, 10, 8, um, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good good stuff from him. Uh, he's getting, he's averaging about like 2, 3 blocks a game. Let's see, what is his, what is his actual number? I should stop just making up stats and just just say what they're actually doing. Let's see. He's getting 1.9 blocks per game. Um, he leads Arizona State in player efficiency rating. He leads Arizona State in offensive box plus minus. He is second uh, for Arizona State in defensive box plus minus behind Desmond Cambridge. Uh, he leads Arizona State in box pure box plus minus. He's number one in, wa- in win shares per 40 minutes. He's come on really nicely. Uh, it's really good for Arizona State to have a big man. And they are also a kind of team that can roll out some some size uh, mm-hmm. with Warren Washington. Enoch Bautre, I actually have not heard his name. Is he not playing very much? Got to hear from no. He's only played in six games, three minutes. He was pretty good last year, but maybe they have better guys. Yeah, um, I guess. Maybe, maybe. But like, I don't know. And the came um, the are they are they not related the cambridge twins are really and our twins are players they're brothers yeah okay. for sure. they came in together <laughs> it's like they came in together because i thought they were for a second and then when i was reading it uh my eyes uh i don't know i thought it was spelled differently their their last name so i was like oh fuck if i thought they were brothers this whole time and they're not <laughs> uh but anyway those two have some size too at least at the college level you know the very good wing size uh they're gonna be hard to play against in the pac-12 play too uh like and with that non-conference i get it was a bad loss but like it was only one loss it's true uh but when you look at it it's like i I posted this a while ago and let's see if this is still true um let's see they could be a tournament team uh yeah they're looking at it right now yeah um arizona state has won every game it's played except texas southern now i went back and looked and was like is texas maybe texas southern is like actually pretty good I went back and looked. Texas Southern has lost every single game it's played except for its win <laughs> against Arizona State. Oh man, that screenshot I posted Ooh, truly. Who they played. They, they uh, yeah. Should I run it down? They uh, lost by thirteen to San Francisco. Lost by Ooh. twenty plus to Texas Tech. Beat Arizona State by one. Lost by almost twenty to Oral Roberts. Over twenty uh, to Houston by like. 15, 16, it looks like, to Auburn, 15 to Samford, and 22 to Kansas. So Okay, so they've played a pretty brutal schedule, but like they also so, got beat by 20 by Oral Roberts. So, <laughs> yeah. Tough, tough, tough. So, I don't know. Somehow they beat Arizona State. Insane shit. Not a good look for the Pac-12, I don't think. Anyway, Arizona State, got to give them their love because they look pretty good right now. Um, I'm not ready to say that. I don't know. I'd be curious. I wonder when Arizona State Utah plays. That that'll be a nice little matchup between Interesting. two teams that we're yeah. really curious about. They get they get they get a tough schedule coming up. They get uh, SMU, which is uh, not great, but they're favored to win that, but not by much. Creighton, which is a top thirty ish team probably, mm-hmm. um, and then they get a nice light sort of games against uh, the University of San Diego and San Francisco before they open up Pac twelve re- reopen Pac twelve play with a game against arizona so we that'll be fun too see yeah we will see 
All right, uh, net rankings really quick here before we get the hell out. Uh, Ooh, wait, before we get out, though, we will need to visit Wooden's Weekly Winners. Oh, yeah, Wooden's Weekly Winners, please. Uh, one sec as I pull up the list that Chad sent me with the relevant stats from the weekend. The winners this week, uh, winner, I should say, is Guac. He went 8 of 12. It was overall a very, very bad week for... Uh, answers of the poll overall it was 42 percent, which is uh the worst this week uh, the worst this season so far because there were upsets the loser of the week was zach brentano he went two of 12 which is pretty tough easiest team for everyone to pick was cal everyone knew they'd go zero and two uh actually not everyone knew that one person did not pick them to go on two. uh the hardest pick was uh utah going two and oh nobody predicted that uh, the best pick, as Chad puts it, and I would agree, was Erica picked Arizona to go one and one, and she was the only person to pick them to not be undefeated. So good job, Erica. Cam is the lowest overall on picks, going 50% for the season so far. And Rumbling Buffalo, uh, at Rumbling Buffalo on Twitter, is in first out of those eligible. Uh, they are 66.6% on the season so far, and Not that bad. is Wooden's Weekly Winners. I'll have that posted before tomorrow morning, so like as this comes out, you'll be able to go fill that out. That's available for everybody, not just patrons, although um, you can find that either on our Twitter or on our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. Great job, Rumbling Buffalo. I think that's our, I wonder if that's our boy, uh, Benjamin Burroughs. I yeah, believe it is. It is yeah, it Colorado is. Sicko. Colorado Sicko. Tad Boyle stand to the death. Okay, uh, real quick with the net rankings, and then I got to get out of here. Uh, no game predictions this week. Sorry. I'm going to skip it over. I don't know. There's Don't worry about good. it. Um, net rankings. Let me pull them up. I just had them and lost them. Uh, number 14, UCLA. Number 19, Utah. Number 26, Arizona. Number 35, ASU. Number 64, Colorado. Number 78, Wazoo. Number 91, Oregon. Number 109, UW. Number 146, USC. Number 148, Stanford. Number 224, Oregon State. And number 341, Cal. They're a bottom 20 team in the country out of like that's, 360 that's, teams. Insane. How is how is Mark Fox being paid currently? Ah, unbelievable. unbelievable. Actively crime. sabotaging. It's a crime. Yeah. Literal crime. He needs insane to be shit. arrested for fraud, uh, defrauding the University of California, Berkeley, <laughs> for however much they're paying him. Insane shit. Insane shit. Anyway, those are the net rankings. All right. That's it. I do have to get out of here. It's getting late. Uh, that's Greg. I'm Carlos. Thank you for listening. Please leave us a five-star review. Please subscribe to our Patreon. Please tune in for our football podcasts to come. We just dropped our football episode Monday morning, as we always do. But for now, thank you very much for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Quiet city street Things aren't always green On the sunny side of the street